Hot mess. Wow, right? How many of you have been there before, right? Hot mess. How many of you are in it right now? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but we're excited about this series and uh, really believe it's going to help some of you uh, really not just escape messes in your life, but really to understand God uh, on a deeper level, to understand what his grace means and, and how that is the starting point to leading us out of the messes in our life. I want to welcome those of you tuning in online today, wherever you're tuning in. Thanks for being a part of our experience as well. During this series, I'd love for you to share some of your biggest messes with us, okay? These can be fun, right? Don't be sending me serious messes. These are fun messes using hashtag hotmessac, okay? So over the next few weeks, I would encourage you to do that. It could be like an old pick, your kids did something, or a vacation disaster or something, and share that. And we'll just have some fun with that and share some of those throughout the series. I would encourage you, if you haven't followed us on Facebook and Instagram and all that, make sure to do that as well. Well, the phrase hot mess actually goes back uh, all the way to the 19th century. It was a military term uh, originally used uh, in regards to food. It referred to food, right? You've heard of a mess hall before where you would go and eat, and then it actually even morphed within the military, and then in the 20th century, it referred to a dangerous environment or an encounter, a a battle, a firefight, whatever that may be, where they were engaging uh, the enemy. It was a hot mess that they were in, and now in the 21st century, it has even changed its definition again, and hot mess in our context and culture means an attractive disaster, right? That's what it means, right? Oh, I'm a hot mess. And so what we mean by that is like we, we try to look a lot better than our circumstances actually are, right? We're a mess, but we manage to still keep it all together. We put up a good front, but if people really knew, you know, the mess that we're in and the mess that was going on, it would, it would probably kind of boggle their mind a little bit, right? So essentially we're saying we're all a mess, we just all clean up good, right? We just all clean up well. We all put on a good front and financially many of you can find yourself in in situations where it's just a mess your family is a mess physically uh you could be in in a mess and professionally academically maybe maybe you you married a mess don't don't nudge them right but but you married them and said i'm gonna fix them right they're they're mess but i can fix messes i clean up messes all the time i'm gonna fix them right but you're still trying to fix them Mary, maybe you married into a mess and 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 their side of the family oh lord I mean, they're just a mess, right? And, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Maybe you moved in with a mess. I remember, you know, before I got married, the roommate situation, you know, you're kind of always rolling the dice, you know, do they keep things as clean as you do and the way that you like things? Maybe today you're parented by a couple of messes. Don't look at your parents' kids. Don't, don't do that. Maybe you're parenting a mess. Now you can look at your kid and be like, yeah, you're right. You, you are a mess, right? And maybe you're in between messes today, but the reality is, is we're all just one dumb decision away from a mess. A mess. And it's just because life is messy. You can inherit a mess, you can create a mess, but there are times in life where it's just going to be a hot mess. So what do we do in our mess? Today I want to give you some relief though, some comfort, something you can take solace in is that, listen, there's always somebody who has a bigger mess than you, right? They're in way deeper than you are. They got way more issues than you got and we can look to them and and, and make ourselves feel a little bit better and we're actually going to talk about how Jesus tells us not to do that, but but we think about that, but I say that today in this, is is that you're not alone. We're all in this together. We're all a mess. We all got messes. We all got issues. Some of us hide them better than others. 
Some of us keep it behind the scenes and we can put up a front and, and make it look good and our Facebook made vacation look amazing and our Facebook makes you know, our marriage look like we're you know, the, the, the staple couple that everyone should look to. Like we, can, we can make it look that way. But the reality is, is that we're all in a mess. In fact, it's really the mess that brings us together here this morning. That we're all a mess and we're all in this mess together. That we are all sinners in need of a savior. That we need God to move and work in our lives if we have any hope of ever making it. So today I want to encourage you, you know, before you judge anyone else in their mess, to make sure that you hear the story behind their mess first. Right, I always tell people a lot of times, like, listen, our background and our context may not excuse our behavior. However, it does often help explain our behavior. It helps you understand where people are coming from and why they're working through the issues that they're working in. And, and that's why we got to get to know each other in the family of God, that you got to walk a mile in their mess before you judge it, before you judge them. There's people here today that I'm sure you've been hurt by the church before. And maybe uh, you resisted the church and maybe you came at Easter. You're coming back today and, and God's moving in your life. And, and, but, but the church you went to previously found out about your mess and because of that they judged you and then rejected you because of your mess and made you feel like you weren't worthy to be a part of what was doing and that God wasn't pleased with you because of the mess that you found yourself in. But I want to tell you this, not this church. Not this church. I will, I will boot someone out of this church faster than anything if I find out they're judging someone or, or, or re- showing condemnation towards somebody because we've built a culture here that says, come as you are. Come as you, as, 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 with the mess that you're in. And, and we embrace you in your mess. Why? Because God embraces you in your mess. Because God loves you. That this will never be a, a family that judges you. Every family has issues. Come on, somebody, Right? Everybody's got that uncle, that cousin, that brother, that sister, right? Everybody's family's got issue. Everybody's family has some level of dysfunction, and the church is no different. So who are we to judge somebody because their dysfunction's a little bit different than ours? And so the church should never be a place that's judgmental or condemning of those who are in a mess, that we should embrace each other in the mess. In fact, why don't you just real quick look at your neighbor and just tell them, you're a mess, Okay. But now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm a mess. <laughs> now say, I'm a mess. You're a mess, I'm a mess, everyone's a mess mess, right? It's just who we are, what we're going through. So quit looking at others and judging their mess. Embrace them in it. Now Matthew 7, Jesus actually speaks to this topic of, of judgment. And you may be familiar with this before, but he said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye for the sake of this series? Why do you look at their mess, right, and pay no attention to your own mess, to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Jesus, just, just hammering you today. This isn't me. You hypocrite. He's saying, who are you? I'm the only one who hasn't made a mess, and I don't judge you, and we're going to talk more about that next week, how Jesus embraced people throughout his ministry that were in some messes. And he says, so who are you to judge someone? You better yank that plank out of your own eye. You better deal with your own mess before you start judging someone else's. We're all a mess, and we need help in our mess. We all need help from each other. 
We can't get out of our mess by ourselves. Sometimes messes you can, but the, the mess of sin, this issue that we all struggle with and wrestle with, the sins of our life, the sins of our past, of our present, what we're struggling with, we could not get out of that mess on our own. You needed someone to step in, someone to save you, and that is what God did for you. John three sixteen. you're familiar with this passage. They, they, they share it at football stadiums and games, and they hold it up. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the mess, the messy world, the messy people of the world, that he gave his one and only son for the mess. Not the perfect, not those who had it together, not those who put up. He said, I embrace the mess. Whoever believes in them shall not perish, but have eternal life. That God came to bring you life and life to the full. And in fact, it is the mess that brings us together. And it is the mess that brought God near to us. It was the mess that brought him here. So we could have a relationship with him. God put on flesh so that he could embrace the mess. You, me, think about that. The perfection, God, the creator, God, literally put on flesh and became a part of the mess. Dealt with all the mess of life so that he could embrace us in our mess. And when Jesus showed up, he introduced a whole new concept of relating to God and connecting with God. And this brand new idea, which was previously all about law and works and regulations and rituals, all this stuff that religion was, and Jesus kind of moves aside the religion and brings this new concept of relationship established by grace. The amazing grace of God. I was lost, but now I'm found. Who could save a wretched person like me? but the amazing grace of God. And Jesus shows up on the scene over 2,000 years ago and introduces this brand new concept of grace. And today that grace is sufficient for you. So Jesus put on flesh to embrace the mess and today he says to you, regardless of what mess you're in, that I have grace for your mess, for your marriage, for your mistake, for your past, for your current addiction, for all the issues that you're going through, that there's grace for your mess. To think that God meets us right in the middle of our mess. He doesn't say, hey, come out of it a little bit, or that he met us in the middle of our mess, and today he meets you in the middle of his mess. In fact, that God reveals himself and, and his presence and his power in the context of, of your mess on a deeper level than when things like seems like everything's going fine. That when things are rough and when the mess is at its worst, that, that you discover who God truly is and the plan he has for your life. And the Apostle Paul gives us kind of this theological view on grace in, in Romans. And you got to think the context. Again, they came out of a religious law-abiding type of 
religion where it was you follow the law and there were so many laws and they tried to do all these things and and so Paul's coming in and and Jesus now has has charged him and has charged me today to to try to explain this concept of grace to people who were so religious and 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 focused on uh, achieving and and performing for God and so today I want to kind of lay out the groundwork for grace and the foundation of this series and and how you relate to God through his grace. In Romans 3.19, Paul says this. He says, so now we know that whatever the law says, this is again, this is what they were living by. This is how they were trying to earn God's approval and, and his favor. Whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So the law speaks to those who have put themselves under the law. And so if you are under the law, right, then the law is over you. And whatever law you're under, that law is over you. To the Jew that Paul would talk to, that was the Old Testament law. To the Christ follower, there was a new law, essentially, a new standard that Jesus brought. And then if you don't believe even, if you're here and you're still trying to figure out who God is and if you really believe and you put your faith in him, right, there's even kind of this law of our conscience that says, this is a standard and this is right and this is wrong and this is how you should do things and this is how you shouldn't do things, that, that there's a law, there's a standard that we're trying to live up to, yet that we continually fall short of. That there is this thing, there is this standard and we fall short of it, that we all make messes from time to time and, and typically in your mess, you want God's grace and other people's grace more than any other time, Right? That's what you hope you receive in the middle of your mess. In fact, like when we make messes and we're confronted with our mess, right, we typically say things like this. Well, nobody's perfect. Amen. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, and that's true. But, but what you have to, to realize is when you're actually saying that, when you're saying, hey, nobody's perfect, when you acknowledge this, what you are saying is, is that there is a perfect that nobody is. There is a perfect. There is a standard, and nobody can hit that standard. Like, we're, we're all going to fall short, and for Christians, this is God. That there is a standard that's over me, that's beyond me, that's above me, and that's Jesus. In Romans 3.19, he goes on, he says, So that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. So he says, there's a law To those who are under the law, the law speaks to them, right? And it speaks to you, and the law is there to show you that your mouth may be silenced and the whole world is accountable to God. So there's a law that we become aware of, that we all fall short of, and the point of that guilt and that tension that we have with this law is to silence you from judging others and pointing the finger at them. Paul's saying, nobody has room to talk. We're all a mess. And we're all accountable to God for the law and the standard that we fall short of. So he's saying that the law, the scripture, the Old Testament law, right? It, it was a mirror. It was that would, and, and, and it was a reminder that of who we are and how much we need God. And so when you look at the mess in the mirror, which by the way is you, when you look at the mess in the mirror, he says you better just go silent. That when you really see yourself for who you are compared to who God is, it should silence you. It should humble you. He goes on and he says, therefore, in verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Like you can keep trying, but that will not make you right with God. 
Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The law was there to show that there was a standard, that there was a perfect that nobody is, and that there's no way I can reach the standard of God without him. That I can't get there on my own. So we're not saved by works of the law. Rather, the law makes us aware of how much we need God, how much we need his grace, how much we need his forgiveness in our lives. And when I see the law, when I see the scripture, I'm reminded over and over again that I can't do it and that the scripture and the law is a mirror and a reminder of how much we need God. So what does the law that you're under remind you that you're not? A habit you can't break, right? A a never, a, a, that, that thing you never said you would do again, yet you've done it again. And that reminds you that you, there is a perfect that no one is, and, and I can't live up to that. And what God intended the law to be for you was a mirror and a reminder that you fall short. Paul goes on in verse 22, he says, so there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. He's saying we are all alike in this thing here. We all have sinned. We've all made a mess. We're all a hot mess and fall short of the glory of God and are all justified freely, God's free gift of grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That you are not made righteous because of what you can do according to the law. You are made righteous, right with God, because of what Christ has already done for you. And that the cross of Jesus Christ built a bridge so that you could know your heavenly father. So that you could experience his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. You've fallen short of your own standards, of your parents' standards, of your spouse's standards. We've all fallen short of God's standards. See, in every mess of our life has this reference point. You know, like this unmess, this, this point of, we, we know what it looks like to have a good marriage, yet we don't have it. We know what it looks like to be a good husband or a good wife, yet I, I, I can't get there. And I know what it means to be a good mom and a good dad, and, and I know what it looks like, yet I can't get there. I know what it looks like to even be a good Christ follower, and yet I can't get there. It's a reference point. It's a reminder of, I'm not living up to, and you see this awareness of our messes awakens us to something outside of us that we are accountable to. And our awareness of our messes gets us one step closer to this God that, that, that does have the standard, that does hold us accountable that we need. You see, God speaks to you. He convicts you, the Holy Spirit, and he does so so that you'll be aware that, that you're accountable to someone outside of you. Who wants to embrace you in your mess. So that's as quick and as simple as I can really break down the grace of God for you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It is a free gift of God that was given through his son that God put on flesh to embrace the mess, you. So there isn't some standard, there is a standard, but not a standard you have to get to so that you can receive that. It's free, it's given to you. So God loves you just the way you are, receives you just the way you are, and in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about, but he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. That grace isn't some get-out-of-jail-free card that we just play over and over and over again. 
When we do that, we cheapen the sacrifice of Jesus. That grace isn't just so you can be forgiven every time you mess up and you continue to mess up. No, grace is also there to be the power and the strength that you need so you can be who God wants you to be. So you can mature, that there is a process of maturity as a Christ follower that should be evident in our lives as we pursue God with his grace. Are you following me today? And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But for this week, I just want you to do one thing. So what do we do in response to the mess in our lives, to the mess you're in? And I'm going to talk about how you can get out of it and the steps that God will give you to help you get out of the mess of your life. But, but what do we do at first? What is the first step of getting out of our mess? You got to own it. That's the first step. You got to own your mess. We can't blame our way out of a mess. We can't. Maybe you inherited it. Maybe you didn't create it. But regardless of why you're in the mess, you can't blame your way out of it. You gotta own it. I'm here, this is where I am. I didn't want my spouse to do this, but I'm married. I'm in this. So we're in this mess together. And I talked about the grace of God because you can't blame your way out of mess. You have to own your mess. You can't point your finger out of a mess. You can't point your finger at God. You can't point your finger at someone else. You can't point your finger at a political party. You gotta own it. This is my mess. This is where I am. And when we acknowledge our messes, we are one step closer to getting out of it. Once we acknowledge that we've fallen short of this standard, once we are reminded that there's a perfect that no one is, that is the beginning to the pathway to really understand the power and the presence and the grace of our Heavenly Father. Scripture is very clear that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And our pride can keep us from experiencing the grace of God in our lives. And it's the pride that says, I'm not owning this. I'm not owning my part of this. And the first step for you to really get out of the hot mess you're in is just to own it. Say, God, I'm a mess. Unfortunately, in my line of work and what I do, most people don't come to me just to tell me how well their life is. (laughs) They usually text or call or schedule a meeting because... They're in a mess, and they need out, and they need help. This week was no different. I sat across from somebody who was broken, who was ashamed, who was a mess, and had no idea what to do. And I said, first of all, you need to know this. God loves you right now. You are his kid. He loves you. There's grace for you, but you gotta own this thing. You're gonna have to confess. You're gonna have to come clean. You're gonna have to own it, and that's gonna be hard, and it's gonna be the most difficult thing you've ever done, but God's grace for you isn't just to offer you forgiveness. It's to offer you the strength to get through it. He's gonna give you grace, but you can't get out of it. You wanna just keep pretending that it didn't happen? You're miserable, right? I'm I'm miserable. I can't 
keep pretending. I can't keep faking my mess. I, can't, I, I, I gotta own I'm in this mess and it's my fault, I'm here. And I said, but if you feel condemned, that's not God. Conviction, that's, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I have more for you. Come to me. Conviction pulls us. It's the kindness of God that draws us close. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to go, there's a God that is perfect, yet embraced me in my mess, put on flesh to embrace me in my mess, and then gave me grace in my mess, and he extends grace, but he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God. And it's hard. But God says, when you do that, I will embrace you in your mess. And that's the first step in getting out of it. My kids, I love them to death, but they're annoying, right? (laughs) Nothing annoys me more when they tattle and they blame. They did this, so I did this. They did that, so I did that. Why did you do that? Right? Constantly blaming. And when there's a mess, and they point at the other person, right? Who broke it? They did it. Who messed this up? They messed it up. I didn't do it, right? I'm always like, just, ugh, right? That's how I feel, right? But when they come in, on the rare occasion, that they own their mess, think about it, right? Think about how you relate with your kids. And they go, Dad, I messed up. Or I catch them in a mess and they admit that was me. Dad, I'm sorry that I did lie. Never once have I said, Yeah, you know good, get out of here, right? I don't care, right? What, what do I do in that moment? I give them, they're my kid. I love them. They, there's nothing they could do to change the way I feel about them. But there is something they can do for how I relate to them. Are you following me? So when they own it, I go, I love you. I'm, Daddy's going to help you. Look, you owned it. That's the first. There's consequences. You will reap what you sow. Listen, you can't, there is no, God doesn't just magically make the consequences disappear. He doesn't just take away and, and make everything better. You're going to have to put in the work to earn the trust back. You're going to have to put in the work to get healthy, to break the addiction, to get there. But I'm telling you, if you will own it, God will embrace you in your mess and he'll say, I'll help you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I gave my life for you. I'll do anything to help you. But you can't stay this way. Next week, we're gonna look at some stories in scripture where God did that very thing that Jesus ministered to people. But what you have to do today is you gotta own up to your own hot mess. And you gotta let God meet you where you are. And thankfully, he's a God that meets you in the middle of your mess. All he's looking for is someone who just owns up. What that means is you repent. Repent means you turn from your mess and you turn towards God. And you say, God, I'm sorry. I made a mess and I need help. And that's all God needs to begin the process of getting you out of the mess that you're in. So today... You got a choice. You're going to point a finger. You're going to keep blaming someone else. Are you going to own it? And when you do, the Bible says that God will meet you right where you're at. So bottom line today is this. We all got something in common. We're a hot mess, man. We need God. 
We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And he loves you enough to meet you in the middle of your mess. It's a reminder today that we have to remember that we all have something in common with that person or that group you despise the most. I'm a mess. You're a mess. Everyone's a mess. It's just the reality of life. So this week I want to ask you to do something that I believe will help you because God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So your first step is repenting and just owning it before God. And then you got to stop blaming others. You got to stop judging others and their mess and deal with your own mess. So this week, when you see someone making a mess or who's made a mess or who is a mess, instead of judging them in their mess and being critical and judgmental of where they're at, I want you to take that finger and point it right back at you. And just whisper this to yourself. Don't you don't have to say it out loud. That'd be kind of weird. But just say this. Say, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. It takes one to know one. So God, I'm not going to judge them in their mess because I got my own to deal with. And so God, I'm going to deal with my mess. I'm going to deal with my marriage. I'm going to deal with my financial stuff. I'm going to deal with my career stuff. I'm going to deal with my kids. I'm going to deal with my messes. And God says, when you have that attitude and that approach to him and to others, when you acknowledge that we are all in desperate need of God's grace in our life, and just as you have received his grace, God expects you to extend it to others. And when you do that, God says, I will embrace you in your mess. And I'll embrace you with grace. And I'll give you what you need to get out. But the first step is owning it. The band's coming and we're going to close out. Today we're going to sing a song that I think just really um, illustrates and I hope will allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do that work in your life. The grace of God is something that's hard for, I think, all of us to really fathom and understand. To think that God was perfect and that perfection left perfection, left heaven and came to this messy world, motivated to embrace you. His mission was to save you and embrace you in your mess. Like that, to me, is, is hard to imagine. It, it, it humbles me to think that God gives me this, this privilege of preaching his word when I'm a mess of a husband sometimes. And when I'm a mess of a dad, I'm a mess of a friend, and I'm a selfish person and I want things to be the way I want them to think that God still extends me grace to even get to do this and I, I, I can't understand it it's the grace of God Paul talks about his wrestle with his mess and he says I, I have this mess that I, I don't want to do that I find myself in and the very thing I don't want to do I find myself doing those things and then the things that I know I should be doing I don't do those things that I know I should be doing And he says, what can save a person like me? And then he says, but by the grace of God, the mercy of God, do I do what I do. He was the most radical church planner, missionary we've ever seen. And he said, I do it by God's grace. I'm an imperfect person who needed saving. There was a standard and a perfect that no one is. And God died so that I could know him. He's powerful. Would you stand?
we're going to sing this song. And I just want you, if that's where you're at today, to own your mess, okay? Own it. Repent. That's what I mean. Repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I created this mess. I'm in a mess. God, I come to you. I'm sorry. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, God. I humble myself before you. That should be the prayer of your heart this morning. And as you do that, I believe that God is going to come, that the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to give you the grace you need to take this step. And then in the weeks to come, he's going to give you the grace to take more steps. Can't blame your way out of it. But man, God's grace surely will lead you out if you allow him to do so.